Welcome and hello to a new episode of Doctrine and Doxology. If you have just happened to accidentally stumble into this recording, we welcome you and uh, trust that it's God's providence that you're listening. We are a Christian podcast and we have been, and it's our aim to expose uh, the Christian doctrines and show how uh, wonderful, glorious they are that leads to what we call doxology or worship. Yes, and we also welcome those who have actually tuned in on purpose to this podcast. Yeah, hi, both of you. <laughs> Glad you're back. I am Skylar Spradlin, and... I am Larry Jones. Yes, you are, and we've been doing this for a number of years now. And it never loses its thrill. Hmm. Hmm. And because it's just good, I mean, it's... As it started off... We were driving to Oklahoma City to visit somebody. Old story, I've told it before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, we were bantering back and forth about churchy things. Churchy things. And uh, you said, I sure wish our congregation could hear what we're saying. No, that wasn't what I said. I was was on the listening ear of that. That Maybe not what you meant to say, but it's what I heard. Well, it wasn't so much... um, what we were saying as it was thinking through the issues with us. Okay. Right? I mean, it, that was my intention. That I want, I wanted our people to be able to think through the same kind of things that we were discussing regularly. That sounds good enough to me. Okay. And bada bing, bada boom, here we are. Several... Years later. Decades later. Decades? I may exaggerate some. I'm not sure. Yeah, just like three years or so. I don't know, seven years, six years, five years? I really don't know. I could look it up, but I don't care. And it doesn't matter. We're not keeping score. I am, but um, not on that. Got your glasses on. Kind of. They're I'm smudged. Able to read now. Okay. What's our subject then? Our subject then is the purity and unity of the church. The church. The church. Purity and unity. What's the theological word for the doctrine of the church? Is this a test? It is. The study of the doctrine of the church. Ecclesiology. There you go. Look at that. You just had to dig it back out a little bit. It's just what came to my mind, and I, I didn't know what it meant, but I was going to say it anyway. Well, that that's it. That's good. And that's what we're covering, ecclesiology, the last several weeks. We've looked at what makes a church, the nature of a church, the marks of a church, all that kind of stuff. Coming now into the purity of the church. Right, and unity of the church. Why are you smiling? What are you laughing at? Well, I was... <laughs> It was a shot in the dark, and it worked. It worked. <laughs> well, a blind squirrel gets a nut every now and then. I'm telling you why. Let me tell you about this ecclesiology stuff about the church. Oh, my goodness. I'm here to tell you. Uh, so let's take the first part of that first, don't you think? The purity of the purity, church? Absolutely. Because I think there could be some out there saying, what does this matter? What is it? Uh, in in aren't all churches the same? Aren't all churches churches? And isn't it just good enough to be 
uh, a part of the church or a church in the eyes of Christ? Why uh, purity kind of implies a measurement of, I don't know, success or faithfulness or. Well, it is a measure of faithfulness for sure, but you can also apply that to the to the human life and our life as Christians. So you're saying they're not pure. We're not following Christ. So you're saying there can be some churches who are more faithful or more healthy than others. Is that what you're getting at? That's kind of what I'm trying to say. What is your purity is a lack of, of sin and also a. And obedience to the gospel, obedience to what Christ calls us to do. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a definition here. Purity of the church is its degree of freedom from wrong doctrine and conduct, and it's a degree of conformity to God's revealed will for the church. Exactly what I said. Yeah, just a little bit more nuance, which I'm glad that he separates there free from wrong Conduct and belief, however right. he says it, because those wrong doctrine and conduct. Yeah. yeah, those are two very important components of church life, belief and practice, and how much you're conformed to the teachings of Christ. Yes. So what I mean, what would you say? How give us some evidence to the person that um, says, "Wait a second, you can't say that one church is better than another church." One church is more pure than another church. Well, I can say that all day long. Well, okay, why? Because there are definitely, in many churches, differences in their doctrinal beliefs. There are differences in their proper use of sacraments. So some churches are better, like more... Uh, I've got a list of these proper use of more right than others and what they people believe are more accurate in following scripture. Okay. Some people want to blend in what's happening in society and say that's perfectly fine. Okay. And some churches want to say, well, if God's word said no, it's not fine, then it's not fine. Okay, go through your list then. Okay. Biblical doctrine. So a church can be more faithful in... In following what the Bible says. Okay. Uh, Proper use of the sacraments. The Lord's Supper, uh, baptism. It's interesting that he calls them sacraments. I have a... Or ordinances, he says. Yeah, I have a debate on that, maybe. The right use of church discipline. Genuine, not false, worship. Effective prayer. Effective witness, effective fellowship. Effective prayer or, it's or, on his or list. Ev- evangelism? I don't know that I would couple those with effective. Well, well, I would hesitate on it myself because how effective it is is not left up to us. Kind right. of. I think that's what it implies. Yeah, we we need to be faithful. We need maybe be faithful prayers, prayers, fervent, faithful. Yeah, fervent in prayer, faithful in our witness, or fervent. But the effectiveness isn't up to us. Correct. Fellowship. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. 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 Church government. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Following 
biblical outlines and guidelines in that spiritual power and ministry. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, personal holiness of life among members. How long is this list? I got two more to go. Okay. Care for the poor. Okay. Love for Christ. Okay. Which probably should have been number one. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, help us think through this. Like, are these churches then less pleasing to the Lord? Less honoring to the Lord? Or less obedient to the Lord? Okay. I would say less obedient. And yes, those other things fall into place right behind that. If they're not walking in obedience to the Lord, then they're not pleasing Him. Yeah. They're not giving Him honor and glory. They're not following the standards that He set out and laid down in His Word. Yes. Well, and I think we have, I, you know, I think my scriptural argument for all of this would be in several um, ways and places and times. Um, I think we could look at the churches in Revelation, the seven churches of Revelation. Yes. And we find some are approved by Christ and some are scolded by Christ. Right. Or they have, they do some things right, but they do some things wrong. Yeah. I think we can look even at the letters of the New Testament and the churches they're addressed to. Some yes. are praised. Yes. You think about Paul writing to the Philippians and the Thessalonians versus Paul writing to the churches of Galatia and the Corinthian church. Some are not praised. Some are in error. That is true. So we're not saying that um, they're not churches, though Christ does indicate in Revelation he could remove that stature, if that's what how you want to take right. the phrase, remove the lampstand kind of thing. Um, so they can still be churches and in error. But I think those are just good immediate basic examples of the fact that some churches are more pure and faithful yes, they are. and healthy and, uh, than other churches. And I think that list really is good. But I think the definition yeah. is best in belief and practice according to the scriptures. Right. He, he calls church, some churches false churches, yes. some churches true churches. And well, a lot a, of true churches are less pure than others. Even though they are true churches, they may have some error. Yes. But it's not a, a gospel error. I think that's the line that you that's hardest to tell. Uh, a kind of an unhealthy, sickly, impure church versus a false church. Correct. That's where the line gets maybe a bit muddied. Yeah. A false church would deny the gospel. Correct. It would deny the scriptures. They would take Jesus out of it or add a lot to him. Yeah. You, if you do this, 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 and trust in Jesus, you you can be saved. But the Galatian churches are an example that churches can even flirt with another gospel and yet still be a church just in grave, grave Danger. Danger and error, yeah. yes. Yeah. So that line maybe is a bit more case by case. Um, but I think the point is that we're talking about today, there at least is a line. Right, right. And I th I think you see this, at least 
I have traditionally argued that I think you see this most clearly in worship. I think the church's worship is the culmination of a person in a church's faith. I think it expresses everything that our faith is meant to express. Uh, yes. Dependency on God, exaltation of Christ, thanksgiving, praise, confession, all the things that that make us Christian are supposed to be evident in that spirit and moment of worship. So I, I think worship... We're not, we're not talking about just singing. Right. We're talking about... The reading of God's word, the... Yeah, I'm talking when the church gathers to worship. Yeah. I think everything about a church's vitality and health can and should be evident right then and there. And so I say all of that to say, the Bible does talk about, well, Jesus in John 4, true versus false worship. Yes, yes. Because he says true worshipers, blank, 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 which implies there are false worshipers out there. Yes, there are. And and I think you could argue not just unbelievers who are falsely worshiping, but but even people who are just doing it wrong. Because he explains right. you worship in spirit and truth there. He's correcting the, the understanding of worship to that Samaritan woman. Uh, and then in Hebrews, I forget the chapter, maybe 10, talks about unacceptable worship. Correct. Which, Correct. again, implies there's an unacceptable form of worship. So there's a kind of worship that God will accept that's pleasing right, to him, right. and there's a kind that's not. And so if worship is the is kind of the indicator of a church's health or vitality or purity, uh, there we have two definitive texts in the New Testament that say some is good and some is not. So would the unacceptable worship be maybe a church who worships themselves rather than God. Yeah, yeah. Or worships, I'm thinking back to the Israelites. When they offered unacceptable worship, they were doing all the ritual things that God had commanded, but they weren't doing it with their heart. They were offering a sacrifice, but it wasn't uh, a repentant sacrifice. They didn't yeah. repent in their hearts. Well, I, I think of Leviticus 10, 1 through 3, 1 through 4. Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's two sons. Okay. And they offer unacceptable fire before the Lord. So they were priests. They had their own right to do things as priests do. Offer the incense and do all the things. The only difference in this instance is that they offer strange fire. It's, It's an unprescribed fire. And the Lord strikes them dead. And when Moses says, what do I tell Aaron? God says, uh, among my people, I will be honored and glorified. Right. I am who I am, and I will be treated as holy. And so I, I would argue from that text and the two New Testament texts and then the overall picture of Scripture that, yeah, obviously there's there's the obvious kind where you're, idol worshiping and all those sorts of things. Correct. And maybe even the more subtle kind, like you're saying, where you worship yourself. It's right. all about your own entertainment and all that stuff. It's all about me. But I would even say not following the Scripture's prescription on worship is at least the fast track to dishonor God. 
and, and offer unacceptable worship. And by that, I mean, the Bible doesn't give us an order of service, but it does give us plenty of clues of what God's people are supposed to be about and be doing when they meet together. So we have labored, you and I, in years past to go through and make sure that everything we do in our service has a very scriptural, clear warrant for it. Correct. Yeah, our whole pastoral team, uh, I think, on a regular basis, kind of checks it out, looks at our service. Is everything we're doing right? At least it goes to my mind. Yeah. Are we doing everything we should be doing? Is there something else that should be there? Is there something that's there that maybe shouldn't be there? Yeah. Is is this a clear scriptural teaching, prescription, or principle, or patterned practice that we see in the New Testament? Right. And we have, we've, over the years, guarded that really. Right. And there's a lot of good things that some churches do that aren't necessarily in that line. Yeah, we there's some things churches do that we would say that's that's not immoral, but we don't think this is the time or the place. Right. It's you know like if you want to celebrate a birthday, Sunday school class would be a great place for that. Yeah. At a fellowship would be a good place for that. But the time, uh, I like to conceive it as uh, from the time we go in and have our silent moment of reflection and preparation to worship, and our final. A moment of silence where we reflect on what we've just sung, heard, or heard preached. In between that time period, there should be no worship of anything except God only. Yeah. Well, I I have been concerned for years. One of the chief complaints about Israel was idolatry. Yes. And how easily that can creep in to our lives. We we have just been diligent to guard the worship service to do our absolute best to make it all about God from the beginning to the end, Correct. all exclusively focused there to the point that we have actually not even shared certain announcements or made certain comments or have corrected certain comments just at the beginning of a service and in terms of welcoming people so that we're just abundantly overly cautious and clear that we're not making this about any one person. Right. And even our announcements that they're not in between those two elements of uh, silence. Yeah, we have a definite like, hey, we're getting ready to start. And then we even say it, begin our worship service. Right. Here in a minute, we're going to begin our worship service. But before we do. Here's some announcements. Here's some thoughts. Yeah, some things we're doing are coming up. Now let's prepare ourselves. And when we read the Old Testament, we're beginning our old or our, our worship service. Yeah, yeah. I All think in an attempt to 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 be that pure church, at least right there in that moment in terms of our worship. Right. And it's not that we can't make mistakes or we can't let things slip in. So we have to constantly recheck. Yeah. And be aware. We're, we're not. Um, we're also I think one of the things I like most about this is that we also don't sit down every week. And critique our service. Okay. Because I think that tends to make make it more stressful and performance driven. Yes, I do too. We used to do that a long time ago. Well, I know a lot of people do before it before you came as pastor. And I know a lot of people do it, and that's that's their prerogative. Sure. But I I think it. I just came to realize I became more concerned about 
how this was coming across, how this was, you know, how this sounded, how this looked, whatever, so that my own heart wasn't in it. Right. And and so, yes, we guard it, but we also don't critique it so that we have the freedom to actually worship. worship. So yeah. if a mistake happens, well, God's patient and understanding. Yeah. We're not saying our services have to be perfect. We're saying we're trying to make them pure. That's, big, that's big a good difference. point. Yeah. Very good. I've got a couple of questions on this. We haven't even talked about unity yet. Okay, then let's talk about unity. Well, we're out of time. Maybe we should talk about unity next week. <laughs> I mean, we could talk a little bit about it, but we're not going to talk about it as much as we talked about purity. We, we do know there's multiple, multiple scriptures that speak of unity, that uh, gifting of the Spirit is for the unity of the church, to uplift the church. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I... I think a church needs to have a guided or as it is guided a focused effort on growth and on salvations all those things we mentioned earlier we need to be focusing mm-hmm. on those things and we need to be unified on those things yeah well again the new testament spends a lot of time talking about the church's unity and elevating it to this place of critical importance right right and i think it's grounded really in the passages like first john 4 7 through 11 or john chapter 13 verse 34 and 35 jesus says the world will know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another yes yes and john first john says uh, if you love god you'll love the brothers and sisters if you don't love your brothers and sisters it's because you don't know god right so it's I think church unity is grounded in brotherly and sisterly love, which is then is grounded in our relationship with Christ, our own salvation. Of course. And, and the whole premise there is all these diversified people, complex, broken people, love each other and are unified together. And that is supposed to display and picture the glory and the beauty and the power of the gospel. Right. Very good. So unity is really, really, really important. Um, one, one more question on purity, if you'll allow it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not charging. Since here. I've already uh, said it, uh, what makes a church less pure? What elements can make a church? We talked about the elements that make a church a pure church. Well, I guess the opposite. So what's of those, the opposite? Right? Yeah. Impure worship. They make it all about themselves. Yes. Or, or they're idolatrous. Watered down gospel, weak, weak gospel, weak preaching, no church discipline. Lack of following uh, the doctrines of the Bible. Yeah. Neglecting the ordinances. Maybe I would even argue maybe taking the Lord's Supper once a year or something. Uh, not evangelizing. I would add to that list um, neglecting proper church membership practices. Yes. That's actually was in one of his lists earlier. Uh, church membership roles. To his last point there, love of Christ. Growing cold in your love for Christ. Yeah. The lack of church discipline. Yeah. Said that. You said that. Okay. 
this re- needs bears repeating. I mean, where <laughs> I, probably where the church just kind of becomes less and less distinct as a church, and becomes more and more identified a with, group. A, with a club. Yeah. 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 Which just, is easy. Yeah, it's really easy to do because we are attracted to people of like minds. But I, what yeah. I see in a pure church is one that is completely unified with a variety of people of different races and creeds. And uh, you see a conglomeration of people who really don't have a whole lot in common except they love Christ. Yeah. You know, they may not all like tennis or they may not like right. this or that. They all have different hobbies. They have different ideas. They work in different locations or from different nations. Yeah. Well, you know. But I th- they're common because they love Christ. I think one of the dangers is loneliness and isolation are increasing in our country and people just want to belong and that can make church easily become all about the social aspect right right and that social aspect should be there and it should be vibrant and it should meet a need but it can't be the only draw yeah absolutely it's just one of several yeah what i like to do when i go to a church meal I like to look around and find somebody that I don't don't normally sit with every week. Somebody that yeah. I haven't got to know yet. Yeah. And just uh, kind of talk to them and find out about them and uh, become closer to them. Yeah. I think that's just a it's just something I like to do when I go to a meal. Yeah. Well, brother, we're out of time, but that's okay. I enjoyed the that's discussion. All right. This has been a good one been fun for us yeah i think it at least should make a person one of two things it should and maybe both things it should make a christian sit back and examine themselves and how they're contributing to their church okay and then it should make them sit back and examine the church not in a not in a critical spirit but in an honest evaluation and then be thankful for the areas where your church is strong and pure and faithful and work to help strengthen the church in the areas right. that it's weak. Right. That's one thing he Don't mentioned. Don't complain about it. Do something about that, it. That there are some churches that aren't completely pure yet. Doesn't mean you should leave them. You should, right. You should stay in and work toward that purity. Yeah. Uh, and with a loving and kind attitude. Uh, Until they become a false church. Yeah, I think, yes. I think so. That's part of being in the church is understanding the faults and trying to work towards purity. And, and being an impure church at the moment doesn't mean you can't become a faithful, pure, more pure church. Right, in fact, we're right. all still striving for more purity. Our church is not a perfectly pure church. I mean, we're, we're still trying to grow in several of those areas. Sure, just like your own human self. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've not arrived yet. And sometimes we get may never arrive so focused on another one that we start neglecting another area and we've got to grow back in it too. Right. So this this isn't like a stamp once for all sort of thing. This is right. a these are growing pains sort of thing. These are strivings. All right. I'm done. Well, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the directions you give us in your word. 
Uh, we are thankful, Lord, for churches that are striving for purity. And help us, Lord, to be a more pure church so that you might be glorified and lifted up and praised and, and people will be drawn to you. Uh, we pray for the salvation of souls. We pray for our daily walk. Help us to always be ready and anxious to share your love with the lost. Guide us in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen.